Hey, I'm Michelle. And I'm Christy. And we're new moms in old bodies. If you're a new mom in your 30s or 40s, great news. You're trending. But the advice out there is so 2012. And we quickly learned that what works for those young 20-something moms and what works for us is completely different. I mean, think about how much you have changed in the last 15 or 20 years. Our minds, bodies, and spirits are so different. The advice that's focused on younger moms just doesn't quite fit what's happening with us. So we're here to talk about that. All of that. So if you're using eye cream with your diaper cream, then you're in the right place. Click subscribe to join the Old Moms Club podcast and come along this journey with us as we figure out what the heck we're doing as new moms in old bodies. Hi moms, it's Christy with the Old Moms Club. I'm here today with Michelle for season two, episode two. Um, I had this idea for this episode and I immediately loved it um, because it's really funny. Um, I think we're actually, we're gonna have a lot of good advice, um, but this episode is going to be all about the things that we Google. Yes. When Michelle first told me this, I said, I Google math more than anything. Don't we all? (laughs) Middle school um, part of the day. So when I went back and looked at my Google history, it was totally like, what is 1975 minus 2022? Because we're trying to figure out like how many years ago something happened or like what is 50% of 30% of a hundred thousand? Because I, I don't know even how you would do that besides Google. <laughs> I do not either. I feel like, I don't know. I, I remember when I was growing up in school, my uncle told me, and he was in finance and he told me, he said, honestly, you're not going to need to really know how to do math because you'll have a, you'll be able to use a calculator. And I, maybe he shouldn't have told me that while I was still in middle school, because (laughs) after that, I was like, I literally never focused on math ever because it's true. As an adult, you literally don't need to know math unless you're teaching math. (laughs) You don't know math at all. Yesterday, I was actually working on my single mom strategies, which will be coming out for you guys later this season. But one of the courses that I was taking had a marketing guy on there talking about high value skills in the year 2022 and 2023. And he was talking about things that we've learned that we absolutely don't need at all. And then things that are actually high value. And his number one thing that we don't need was math. (laughs) (laughs) That's sad. Sorry if there's any math teachers listening. You are valued when it comes to budgets, but (laughs) golly, honestly, I don't remember anything about calculus or whatever. Yeah. I think I only know one person who does math on a daily basis. And that is one of my best girlfriends. She's literally a rocket scientist and (laughs) has worked for NASA for years. And I'm very glad that she knows math. (laughs) But beyond that, like literally we all just need a calculator. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That is a math teacher, but besides her, I mean, that's, that's it. Well, my brother, he's a geologist. Um, yeah. I'm sure he does, but I algebra since college. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Crazy. But- Michelle, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I think we might be in the middle of like our first sleep regression ever. Um, You know, it's kind of interesting because everyone talks about like the four month sleep regression and the nine month sleep regression and whatever, but I never really, Ava didn't really experience any of those. And I learned that some babies just don't. So, you know, I had all this built up fear and anticipation around that. And it just never happened. Um, But apparently, (laughs) 
<laughs> at 15 months, she is now going through a sleep regression. Um, and everyone keeps messaging me like, oh, well, maybe she needs to go from two naps to one nap. I'm like, y'all, she did that already. She did that at 11 months. <laughs> so she's been doing, she's just had one, um, one nap a day and it ranges any, anything from like usually about an hour, hour 15 to two and a half hours, like anywhere in there. Um, yeah, but lately she has just been resisting so hard. And I think it's because she's just running around and learning and exploring so much that it's really hard for her to settle down. Um, so it's almost like the only time that she wants to take a nap is when she just physically cannot function anymore and she just passes out. And that usually doesn't happen until about 3 p.m. And so then she wants to be up until, you know, 10 p.m. at night. And it's, it's, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's like, wow, you've never had a sleep regression. No, no. But I think a big part of that, honestly, is um, she's really obsessed with breastfeeding. <laughs> I am 100%. I am this girl's pacifier. Like she never took to a bottle. She never took to a pacifier. And she co-sleeps in bed with, with us. And so, um, so it's been really easy for me to kind of settle her down at night. Like she'll kind of stir a little bit but I can just whip my boob out and give it to her and it calms her right down immediately. So she's always been a really good sleeper. So this whole like not resisting sleep thing is a bit new for us. <laughs> Luckily. Wow. Sleep is involved in two of the things I Googled. Yeah, I know. Right. I feel like since becoming a mother, really the reason that I thought of this is because I have never Googled so many random bizarre things in my entire life <laughs> until I was a mom. And now I'm like, now that's like my little go-to mom Bible is Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how parents did it before they could Google. I know that's still one of my favorite little memes or little cartoons. Like it's like a rabbit and somebody else saying like, Oh, I wish I knew that. And the other one's like, Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what else have you Googled this week? Um, this week. So I Googled, why do babies sleep like roast chickens? Yeah. <laughs> With her booty in the air? In the air. Cause for the longest time she slept on her back. And if she would turn over, I would turn her back over and make her sleep on her back because I was so scared because they, that's one of the things they drill into your head. But if she's on her stomach, she's not really on her stomach. She's on her knees with her butt sticking up in the air. Um, <laughs> so that was one of the things I Googled this week. What did you find out? Why do so, they do that? So it's actually pretty interesting. There are three main reasons that they do it. Um, the first one, and I'm wondering if this doesn't have to do with also what you were saying about Ava is just being so excited because she's up and she's exploring. One of the reasons they start sleeping with their booties in the air is because they're learning to crawl. Mm. And so like their muscle memory and all of that, they're just sleeping in the position that they remember best. Like that's oh. where they want to be. So mm. I'm wondering if you're right. And that's why Ava won't sleep because she's so excited that she's up like running around. Yeah. That's so funny that you say that because Ava is not really going through a no phase. You know how a lot of toddlers are like, no, no, they say no to everything. She's the exact opposite. She says yes to everything all day long, which honestly is kind of fun. It's cute, but she like does this very exaggerated head nodding and the other night she was sleeping next to me and I look over at her and she's nodding. Yes. Like very huge, exaggerated nodding in her sleep. And I was like, Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is part of what it is, is they start almost acting out what they're doing in their sleep. It's really interesting. Yeah. So Eden did that before. I feel like before she was sleeping on her stomach, I would hear her little 
and I would go look and she's crawl. She was crawling back and forth in bed. Like she was practicing. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's just bottoms up. That's how they mm -hmm. sleep. So that was one. And then yeah. another reason that I thought was pretty interesting is because it's comfortable. Um, it says that their tendons and their ligaments aren't really long enough for them to comfortably sleep on their stomach with their legs straight down. Um, maybe because their little bellies stick out so much. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, so they sleep curled up like that because it relieves the tension. Mm -hmm. in the yeah, that makes sense. I remember you texting me that and I was like, okay, that definitely makes sense because Ava will also sleep with her. Well, she sleeps with her legs up on top of me. Like she sleeps horizontal in the bed with her legs on me. And I always thought it was maybe just something about like making, she could always feel that I was right there, you know, if her feet were on me, but no, it's not that sweet. It was just releasing no, tension. Sleep on her back. Um, Cause sometimes napping, she'll do that. If she's asleep on her back, she wants her legs over my arm. Like she's still mm -hmm. not flat. Her legs are like propped up over me, yeah. um, but laying with their booties up, it says, I'm going to read this by laying in this position, it relieves the tension and their, your baby's body and paired with deep breathing. It further encourages oxygen and blood circulation to restore their energy. So oh. they're best. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. It's okay. actually kind of Oh, it has to do with them learning to walk. And of course it reminds them of the womb. I think any baby thing that you Google at some point is going to go back to that. It reminds them of the womb. <laughs> reminds right? them of I know. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> what about you? Have you been Googling sleep? Um, I mean, yes and no. I feel like everything when it comes to like, when you Google sleep about babies, everything just tells you the same thing, you know? So I'm like, uh, all right, every baby's different. I get it. Every baby will kind of work out of whatever phase they're in. So I, I don't really put too much stock in it. I just kind of focus on whatever Ava's doing. Right. But one thing that I did Google this past week, I don't know if there are other people out there like this. Like my husband can be outside in a field of mosquitoes and he will not get bit. And it is so annoying to me because then you put me and Ava outside for like 30 seconds and we'll walk in with six mosquito bites. Yep. So <laughs> we are, they just like our blood. I guess I, I almost wonder if it's something in like the hormones or whatnot. Um, so it is like mosquito central right now in our neighborhood. It's crazy. So Ava got all bit up by mosquitoes. And I mean, we both did. And I have this uh, thing that I use. I got it on Amazon. It's literally called the bug bite thingy. And it's like <laughs> this little suction tool. And so every time after we come in from playing outside, I'll like use that little suction tool to suck out the venom and it really does help but I was looking for other things like what else could help with the itching because sometimes there is still like a little bit of itching um and I was googling it and I found out that breast milk is actually a really good way it's like an antihistamine and so yes so if you have breast milk or, I mean, or if you're still lactating, you could just squeeze a little out, I suppose, <laughs> and put it on like mosquito bites, and that is supposed to help. So, of course, I went down the rabbit hole of like, what else can breast milk, unused breast milk be, what else, how else can you use it? Um, and there's like recommendations for you know, uh, putting it in ice trays, which I have like that little mold that I use from Moss and Fawn um, that I did for her teething. But, you know, I she doesn't take milk out of a bottle. So I'm like, what else can you use breast milk for? You can use it for like rashes 
or I mean, literally there's so many other reasons if you Google it, it's pretty wild. But I thought that using it on mosquito bites was a pretty, uh, that one was really interesting to me. <laughs> really good one. Yeah, I know. They were saying like, put it in a, use it in a bath. Um, I mean, so many different ways. You can use it on your own, like if you end up having like cracked nipples or anything like that. I guess I never had that breastfeeding, but that sounds really painful. But they said that you can use it for that too. Yeah, lots of different reasons. <laughs> I like that though, always finding ways to use different things. And really, it's like the slugging which was all discovered by accident, you know, because you start to Google, like, what can I use? And then the most random things come up and you're like, what? People do that? <laughs> I know. I know. It's kind of freaky. Speaking about breast milk, <laughs> I don't even know if we want to talk about this. I was scrolling on Instagram one day. I think I may have even sent this to you. And there is apparently like this whole community of people who, do you know what I'm going to say? You're laughing over there, who like sexualize lactating. So it's like a fetish. Apparently there is a fetish of people who are like obsessed with lactating women. And now all of a sudden I'm hyper aware of that anytime I'm breastfeeding in public, because I have a tendency to just whip my boob out anywhere because I don't really care. I have such a different mindset around it now that I am actually feeding a child with my boobs versus how I felt beforehand before I was like so modest and whatever about it. And that now I'm just so free with it, you know, like totally a free the nipple person. <laughs> Although reading that, I was like, oh, shoot, are people looking at this like in a creepy way? I don't know. <laughs> Ew, I think there's that. And then I thought you were going to say other things like there are actual products and things people make out of it, like um, soaps and different it's jewelry. Do you know people make jewelry out of their breast milk? How would you even do that? I don't know, but I think you send it into like a company and they make, you know, memorabilia and jewelry and stuff like that out of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, I know some people do it. If you enjoy that more power to you, it is, I find that really freaking weird. And I what don't would wanna... you do like you're out. Um, you know, like your mother-in-law is like, oh, that's such a beautiful necklace. I, yeah, it's my breast milk. <laughs> or you like give it's it as weird. <laughs> I just think it's weird. Oh, I can't. I can't. I don't want to wear my breast milk as jewelry. I don't know. Like maybe I'll find some other way to like commemorate my breastfeeding journey. You know how I want to commemorate it? When I'm done with it, I want to buy myself something with a diamond in it. That's what I want to do. I don't want to turn my breast milk into jewelry. Buy <laughs> myself diamonds. That's how I'm going to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I will take a diamond over breast milk jewelry any day of the week. <laughs> okay, so all of you stay-at-home moms that are just at home crafting all your jewelry pieces, we've had enough. Yes. Enough, you've crossed the line. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. Okay, what else have you been Googling? Okay, so another one I Googled was eye contact. Because I read a story, and I know it's important in the development and all that kind of stuff, um, because I know it's one of the very early things that you look for um, in recognizing, like, autism, and there are so many different developmental milestones they use eye contact for, but I read an article that was written by a woman that used direct eye contact as a behavior reward, and I thought that was super weird, like, because to me, I <laughs> it sounds super mean, like, you're good, so I'm gonna look at you for five minutes. <laughs> it's, it seems like it would be awkward, maybe. It right? would be, well, I don't know if it would be awkward because 
And I just say that because like if Eden's going to sleep and I am feeding her a bottle, she stares at me the whole time. So it is just kind of that. um, I don't know that it happens for five minutes straight, you know, because she falls asleep. But um, I also thought it was kind of mean to be used as a reward, especially if it's such a developmental phase. So then I started Googling babies in eye contact and what I found is my official stance is going to be, it's mean to use that for a reward because your baby needs that. That is something essential that you should be giving your baby all of the time. Not um, just as a reward. Not just as a reward, but actual eye contact, whether you're giving that for one minute or five minutes or however you're doing it, helps them develop language skills. Wow. Which is Super weird, Um, but our brains do amazing things. Um, But it's one of the ways like a mom and baby making eye contact help sync up the brain waves um, and helps them develop those language skills. Um, It also gives them a huge dose of oxytocin, which is, you know, our love drug, which I guess is what she was going for with the reward. And that's fine if she wants to use it for a reward, but I think you should be doing it all of the time. (laughs) Right. Um, Because then like, if you're, I don't know, I almost feel like when you're saying that you're doing it as a reward, it almost implies that you would not not give that as a discipline, which is inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah. is not what she meant by the article at all you know maybe she was just going with that feel-good feeling that it gives or kind of that exclusive I mean and you know that like when you're in a group of people the person that you make eye contact with or the person that you're talking to it is a bonding moment you know it is a way and maybe it was in a different situation um that she was for a reward but eye contact with your baby actually it has different phases even because you know at first they can't do it as much because they can't see you as much um but if you do google it it's broken up into like zero to three months three to six six to nine nine to eleven about the different milestones and things that you can tell about babies based on the length of time that they can give that direct eye contact so one ended up being a super interesting one. Hmm. I think that is kind of a cool idea though, because especially with so many distractions nowadays, mm-hmm. it is easy to not be intentional with things like that. Right. So like Ava is learning how to say different words and all that right now. So I noticed that we are really intentional about kind of like having pointing to our mouth and slowly um, saying words so she can kind of catch on. Um, But outside of that, like I, I have been trying to be more intentional with her about just having like one-on-one quiet time where she's able to just like sit and read books and we're able to kind of like giggle and interact with each other without distraction um and but maybe word is the wrong word hmm but maybe reward is the wrong word yeah yeah I almost feel like maybe just being intentional with eye contact and letting it linger and experiencing it um I think there is that's so cool. It really is. There are huge benefits to it. Yes. And it says it impacts their development. Um, it says when a baby is staring directly at the parent, it's the opportunity for the baby's brain to learn to interact, smile, sing, talk, and even gesture within their own field of vision. Um, and that those moments register in the baby's mind and impact their development. Wow. So, yeah. So little things that you don't know how important it is. Yeah. Intentionally making that eye contact on a very regular basis is super important in helping development and language skills. That is so cool. Okay. So now you've convinced me. So now each day I'm just going to make sure we have no distraction and just have some one-on-one eye time. (laughs) That though, like she'll put both of her hands on each side of my face and just 
like stare at me. Stare. But no, I mean, they not, do, do that. Yeah. Not, <laughs> just, yeah. Five minutes. That's a lot. And then these days it's usually followed by now I'm going to bite your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cute. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. So one other thing that I was Googling is best non-toxic apps. So I have a couple of recommendations because, you know, when I started, when I found out I was pregnant, I was kind of already on this journey of trying to be healthier and, um, you know, we didn't know we were going to get pregnant so fast. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start this fertility journey, you know, then I found out I was pregnant pretty soon. And so, um, I kind of went into like shock mode, like, oh my gosh, I had this realization that everything around me was toxic. <laughs> All the products I used were toxic. Everything I was eating, everything. I mean, I just kind of went into like this panic, like, oh my gosh, I need to detoxify everything in my life. And it was, um, honestly, it was kind of a shock to my system at first when I started researching everything. And uh, so the first app that I ever downloaded, it's called Healthy Living, and it's by EWG Healthy Living. And EWG is, I forget what the, it's like environmental world something. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's like this government agency that um, tests the toxicity of and rates all of the products. And so I really like, that's probably the one that I, the app that I use the most. It's like a little green app and it kind of looks like there's a white fingerprint on it. So if you're looking for it in the app store, um, but you can just scan everything. The mistake that I made is that I went through our, you know, my medicine cabinet and our bathroom and all of our products that we were using. And I scanned everything and I panicked because everything appeared to be super toxic. Right. And then I, and a lot of things that I had were not on the app. Um, and so then I was like, oh my gosh, I need to go out and I need to buy everything new right now. That's like so expensive and frankly, so impossible. So I have a recommendation on the best way to kind of like start that healthy, non-toxic journey is to do it slowly. So instead of scanning everything that I had and going into a panic, <laughs> the best way to do it is to just use their search function on their app. So now, whenever I need to replace something, like say I have a body lotion and I'm like, okay, I want to switch to a more non-toxic version, then I'll go on and I'll just type in body lotion. And then you can search by, um, or you can click the filter and then do by best score. So then when you put the best score in, then it'll give you all of the top options. And then for me, I typically just either go to Target and put it on my list, or I'll go on to um, Amazon and just purchase it on Amazon. So then I can kind of slowly replace things without going into this very expensive, non-toxic panic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I really love that app. Um, a couple other apps that are really good is there's one for food. It's called Yucca, Y-U-K-A. And that also has like a scan function where you can just like scan the barcode and it'll give you whatever it is. It'll give you like a healthier um, recommendation. So that's a really good app. Um, and then my third recommendation, which is mostly beauty products and makeup and things like that, um, is called Think Dirty. So those are my three top non-toxic apps is healthy living, yucca is for food and think dirty is for beauty products. Wow. And you do a lot of non-toxic beauty products. So in your makeup stuff though, do you find that you're not, is it the same quality? No. <laughs> no, I mean, that's yeah, honestly, it, yeah. it kind of depends on what it is. 
it has taken me a really long time to find like different products that I love. Um, and I will say when it comes to skincare, I think that's the hardest, um, because it's like the retinol and things like that, that works so well on your skin. You really shouldn't be having that, like putting that on your skin if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. So the things that are like, or frankly, Botox, (laughs) you know, stuff like that, that is extremely effective. I, right now I'm using a lot of, um, Tula skincare and I really, that's like the, cause I like that creamy moisturizer feeling. Like I really like that. So that's the best one that I've found that still kind of feels like a higher end, but isn't a million dollars. That's what I found so far that I like in terms of like skincare. Um, but honestly, it's taken a really long time to like find non-toxic products that don't suck. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that note, um, I know this is not what we are um, talking about, but we're going to talk about the frownies um, because I mean, to be fair, I did Google them a lot before I <laughs> and spent my $23, but um since we can't get Botox, I got frownies um, because this, my teacher wrinkle was getting really just out of control. Um, I think what they call it, your 11s at the yes. dermatologist. Your eyebrows. <laughs> yes. So, and like I had got my hair cut and I was wearing a center part. So I felt like, like that's the first thing that you see or my big 11s and so I bought the frownies and which if you don't know they are essentially like they're strips of paper that have glue on them like stamps um they're harder than just regular paper but they're not really quite cardboard and so the idea behind them is that like you stretch out your wrinkle and then you stick it there and you leave it on there for like three hours so that it keeps that skin spread tight um, and the muscle underneath it. So it's really just training your muscle to not bunch up there mm-hmm. as to keep them on for at least three hours. Well, the first time I put them on, I, had, I put it here um, in between my eyebrows and then like above my eyebrows and Eden was so traumatized. (laughs) She freaked out and like she would not stop freaking out until she could take this off of my face. So I have learned like to only put them on there after she's sleeping. But I mean, now if you look at my 11s, like they're gone. You can't see them because they're not there. What? So it literally, it actually works. Well, it does, but like some, so here, obviously I still have these. I feel like they're pretty deep. And so maybe, maybe Botox would be better for these heavier ones. But like this, even thinking about scrunching that muscle back up, like you have to think about it. Like it's a, it's not an automatic thing anymore. Like it does at mm-hmm. least just train them to kind of, Relax. So how often did you have to wear the frownies? <laughs> well, I just stick one on like at night when I'm going to bed now. Every night? Yeah. Just like as part of my skincare, wash my face, put on all my stuff and then just stick one on there. And then at some point in the night, I rip it off um, because I can tell it's there. Um, yeah. My only complaint really is that they stink. And I mean, yeah. they stink bad. I don't know what kind of glue is on them, but the first time I, you run it underwater and then you stick it on there and it sticks hard. Um, I thought, what is that smell? Because it's coming from up here. So you're yeah. not, I'm looking around the house like for rotten things, maybe. <laughs> it was your face. <laughs> yeah, like stuck something under the couch or you have to take out the garbage. But then I was like reading reviews and somebody else said they smell so bad. So I don't know what. (laughs) So if you don't mind traumatizing your baby or the way that they smell, I mean, my leavens are gone though. That's awesome. Center part looks good. 
Yeah. But the deeper ones don't. And I think maybe if you have the patience, which I don't, you know, just doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. But see, also on my 11s, when I would spread it out and then stick one there, it would be smooth. These are so deep. Like if I spread them out, you can still tell there are wrinkles there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't wait to get Botox. Um, I I might do that for my birthday, but we have some other things coming up. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. So what else have you been? um, I almost said Botoxing. (laughs) What else have you been Googling? (laughs) So my last one for today is sleep. Um, I just wrote down sleep because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I feel like every time you Google sleep regression, it's four months sleep regression, five months sleep regression, six months sleep regression, seven months, like a month. So true. Don't say that there's a sleep regression. And then the controversy surrounding whichever side of the sleep debate is so out of control because there's co-sleeping or there's not co-sleeping or there is, you know, sleep training or not sleep training and all the regressions and sleeping with their butts in the air. And it's just like baby sleep has got to have more subcategories than anything else. That is so true. And honestly, I feel like a lot of people think that whatever they're doing is the best thing. And I don't believe that. Like, I feel like every single child is different. And every child has different needs. Like Ava is a very high maintenance (laughs) baby (laughs) where she just needs a lot of physical um, attention. And so for her sleeping in her own room, that's just not a reality for us right now. But I know a lot of other parents that then they'll have a second baby. They may have co-slept with their first or vice versa they have another baby and their baby thrives by sleeping in their own room you know Mm -hmm. my sister is one of those her one of her kids still at six years old wants to co-sleep and occasionally does um but her other child only wants to be in their room you know so it's like I feel like so many moms get so attached to what they think is the right thing to do and it's not across the board like it truly is just whatever is right for you and your baby. 100%. Yes. Because the sleep training, like people swear by that. And I'm reading through there thinking, there's no way in the world Eden would ever, ever go for that. Because step one is put them in their crib when they're drowsy, not mm-hmm. asleep, just when they're drowsy. That to and- me is so unrealistic already. <laughs> fall asleep because that's not what's going to happen. She's going to get so upset. She's going to be screaming so loud. The neighbors can hear her. She's going to upset herself so much that then she's awake and she's not drowsy anymore. Mm -hmm. But my niece, you can tell her it's time to go to bed, put her in bed and she'll be awake. She'll play with her dolls. She'll read her books. She'll lay there and she'll stay in bed until she falls asleep. Wow. So it's like you said, it's, it works for some, it doesn't work for others, but sleep training is going to be a thing we're going to be able to do. Yeah. But she has been sleeping better. So Mm -hmm. yay. I know. I know. It is a journey. It's a journey, man. (laughs) Like sleep when they're sleeping. Yeah. They don't sleep though. I know. Well, and honestly, then when do you get anything else done? Like when Ava falls asleep, I mean, when I say we've been co-sleeping, I mean, we have literally, I did not, I was not able to get up from being laying next to her, even during her entire naps, her whole life until about a month ago. Now is like recently is the first time I've ever been able to just put the little camera on her and I'm able to get up and leave the bed. Um, and honestly, I have to wait until she goes through her first sleep cycle. So she'll fall asleep and then her first sleep cycle ends anywhere between like 35 to 41 minutes. And I know that I have to be next to her during that 31 to, or 35 to 41 minute space 
because she is going to wake up again and then I have to give her my boob and then she'll fall back asleep and fall asleep for longer. But it's like, man, if, if I don't go back and lay with her, she will wake up and that's the end of that nap, you know? So it, I don't, I don't know. There's really no tried and true solution. (laughs) I don't feel like. (laughs) And I think that's what you learn from Google. Mm -hmm. Google is just a bunch of do this, don't do this, do this, don't do that. And it's uh, every single thing that you pull up is the opposite. Um, The only thing they're consistent on is basically every single month there's a sleep regression (laughs) for for, for the rest of (laughs) Right. Okay. So when it comes to baby sleep, I did look into both moms on call that schedule, which is basically you follow a pretty strict schedule and your baby gets used to this schedule. And that's what moms on call is. So I got that whole thing. I got the book. I got the app, which don't pay the money to get the app. Their app is terrible. It's literally just their schedule and it's not really editable or anything. Um, so you don't need to purchase their app. Um, so I tried that. I also got um, Taking Care of Babies, which is a pretty popular one also. And, um, you know, uh, honestly with that one, it just came with a lot of tips um that are pretty flexible so yeah I was able to kind of learn a lot about baby sleep but we don't really follow anything to a T and so I don't know I feel like a lot of that is just follow a few sleep experts on social media I don't think anyone really needs to pay for that kind of stuff no and with Eden sleep regression or not there's no way to tell what's going to happen. <laughs> like, so I feel like so there's a moment when I have her and she's sound asleep. I can put her in her crib and I can tell by the way that she lays down that first second if that's going to happen or not. <laughs> but outside of that, it's like she will be, especially lately, I'll feed her until she falls asleep. I'll be feeding her her eyes are closed. She's got her little prayer hands. She sleeps with prayer hands. She got her little prayer hands going. She crosses her ankles. She's an old lady. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) In sleep position, she knows she's down to that last ounce in her bottle. And then her eyes just pop open and she starts hysterically laughing and she sits up like, Hey, thanks for the power nap. Let's go. Oh God. Does that with naps sometimes too. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. <laughs> what can you do? You honestly, you just got to go with the flow, ride it out, ride the wave. Yes, this too shall pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think the whole sleep when they're sleeping that no, you yeah. can't do. That. No, that's so not realistic. Okay, the last thing that I have on my list of something that I googled um okay so right now I've kind of been looking into like potential mother's day out or you know like having some kind of way to socialize her and so of course I go down this rabbit hole of the Montessori model and um oh my gosh I learned so much But I will say, you know, the traditional Montessori model, the child has to go to the Montessori school all day, five days a week. Um, At 15 months old, we are not ready for that for Ava at all. I am so not prepared for that. So, and I'm not working outside of the home, so I don't really feel like there's a benefit for that right now. Um, so I was looking at ways that you can kind of introduce the Montessori model at home. Um, and there are so many awesome resources out there. Like, oh my gosh, Pinterest is full of ideas. Go to print Pinterest. That's like the best place to go. Um, I was able to print up a schedule for doing Montessori at home with your toddler. So kind of the general ideas around the Montessori model is it's almost like you incorporate like a work play into their schedule. It's a pretty, um, 
a pretty consistent schedule throughout the day. So you do kind of the same kind of things, but then you leave a lot of open space for them to explore on their own and find out what their own interests are. So um, just a couple different tips about Mont doing Montessori at home. Um, it says, follow your little one's interests, accept that your little one is gonna be a toddler. So like messes and things like that um, are encouraged and design a safe and engaging yes environment at home. Um, that's actually something we've been really intentional about. And the best way to do that is honestly, when you have a toddler, you, it's pretty easy to find yourself being like, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. Like saying no all day long. And that creates so much frustration and exhaustion for both the toddler and yourself. No one, and no one wants to hear that. And no one wants to say that all day. So what we've done with Ava um, is instead of saying like, oh, if she's run, running toward the street, you know, when we're playing outside, instead of being like, no, you know, I really kind of like reserve no for like, well, actually for a dangerous thing, exactly like that. But if it's something that's not dangerous um, and I'm like, oh no, let's not, let's do something else. I'll just give an alternate option like, hey, come look over here instead. So it's like a positive redirection instead of just constantly saying no. Um, and that's been working really well for us. Um, okay, so back after you practice it for a while, because <laughs> even if you know in your head that's what you're supposed to be doing, it's so easy to just say no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. So I realized what was happening, like that was happening um, in my bathroom in the mornings. I have to wake up pretty early. And when I'm getting ready, I can absolutely not do that while I'm chasing Eden around or with her just screaming because she's still in her crib. So I've put like a playpen in the bathroom. So she just sits in there and plays and like watches me get ready or, you know, whatever. And one morning she was sitting there, such a lovely child. Um, takes off her pajama pants, throws them at me, and then says, mama, no, no, no. And just <laughs> falls down hysterically. <laughs> oh, cute. All morning, no, no, no. And no, no, no. And no, no. And I was like, she is 10 months old and she's mocking me. Like, what am I going to do? So now yeah. her big thing, I don't know why, she just wants to stand up in the bathtub. She wants to show you all the places she can stand up. So instead of no, 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 I always now I'm like, sit down in the bathtub. We have to sit down in the bathtub. And she will. And yeah. if you say, I have to sit down in the bathtub, she's like, oh, okay. She'll sit down in the bathtub. But yes. if you tell her no, she says, no, no, no. And no, no, no. Yep, no. exactly. It, it really does. It makes a huge difference. Like if we tell Ava no, and it's something that's just trivial, that doesn't really matter, then we get this pouty face and this like reaction, right? But if we're like, oh no, let's do this instead, then there's something for them to direct their energy toward that's positive. So right. it really is just about like creating that positive environment, safe environment for them to explore. Um, the only other tips that they have is create order in your child's life. So that consistent routine is helpful for them, um, but also be like really flexible with it. <laughs> um, give your, your toddler opportunities to be independent and then slow down, simplify and make time to enjoy your life. And I like that one. So it's really just about like being intentional about slowing down and, and making space to explore. I love it. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're trying to do at home. Oh, the other thing that I, that I like about the Montessori model is that anything that there, any activity they do or whatever, after that activity, they help you clean up. So we got one of those little ladders for or the little um, toddler ladders in the kitchen that they can stand on. So now she's like helping pour things into cups and whatever oh. in the kitchen and yeah, so we always give her little tasks to do and she really enjoys it. We got her a little fake cleaning set on Amazon. So now she like cleans in the living room. Toddlers yeah. love cleaning. It's great. 
cleaning and kitchen, like the home, Eden goes to school, uh-huh. well, two days a week, two half days. And like the kitchen center is where they all want to be. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We got the, one of those cute little pottery barn kitchens on, I got it on Facebook marketplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She loves it. She plays in that thing all day long. So you know what is funny about that because it's her birthday coming up and I found one on Pinterest that I liked really better than the other ones. And so I, I bought the materials and my mom is going to make, my mom's like, can make anything. She's such a good artist. And so she's going to make this into a little stove for Eden. And we bought all the plastic cookware and the food and everything that goes with it. Eden's not tall enough to see like the stove <laughs> So we're going to have to save it until Christmas. Um, but when we went to her doctor's appointment, she actually, she hadn't gained weight this time, but she had not gained inches either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, our little, little roly-poly Eden. <laughs> so, so cute. <laughs> and her, now that she's at school, I'm trying to like keep her in shoes that she likes. She loves shoes. Um, but the last pair of shoes we bought are still six months. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. other child is wearing 18 month pants, but like, then she has these little tiny, tiny feet. Yeah. So it's going to be a little short girl. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> it, is. Aww, it is. I love it. All right. Well, if we would love to hear anything interesting that y'all have been Googling, so Follow us on Instagram or join our, join our Facebook page. Let us know what you've been Googling in the mom world. We would love to hear it. And we'll see you next Thursday. Bye, guys. That's our cue to go. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Old Moms Club Podcast. And join our Old Moms Club podcast page on Facebook.